Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, episode number 86. At the time of this recording, Bitcoins are trading at $638 each. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Now that's gravy. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining me today as I podcast from Nashville, Tennessee, the Bitcoin capital of the South. I'm your host, John Barrett, here each week with my trusty dog, Maxwell, by my side. Say hello, Maxwell. (laughs) We're two Bitcoin enthusiasts who love talking with people about Bitcoin and blockchain and sharing what we learn with you, the listener. Longtime listeners, thank you once again for tuning in and for your generous tips. And new listeners, welcome to the show. We hope you enjoy it. On today's show, I get to share with all of you my great experience at Nashville's very first Distributed Health Blockchain Conference that was held on Monday, October 3rd in the heart of downtown Music City, USA. For those of you who have been waiting for this episode, thanks for your patience as I juggle through all that I have to do of a given week. For those of you who missed this event, it was a groundbreaking, mind-blowing, all-day event organized by my good friends over at BTC Media right here in Nashville. In addition to some amazing panel discussions and presentations by some brilliant women and men, I was also able to slip away from time to time to get some face-to-face interviews with some of the attendees. In this episode, I include some of those interviews. But for the real meat of this conference, check out BTC Media, which includes Bitcoin Magazine, Why Bitcoin, and the Distributed Ledger. Thanks for listening, friends, and I hope you enjoy the show. Director of Strategic Alliances with GEM. It's been a very exhilarating conference and quite a bit of preparation went into it, but I'm in the home stretch now. Nice, yes. And I just saw you moderate that panel. That was an excellent panel. I enjoyed that a great deal. Thank you. Yeah, so um, interoperability, when we talk about blockchain, we talk about healthcare, can you just explain to our listeners? What does that concept mean, interoperability, and how does GEM come into play? Sure. So I'm going to probably approach this from a pretty controversial sort of perspective. Who knows? But from an outsider's perspective, I'm not a healthcare expert. No one at GEM is a healthcare expert. We're blockchain people. Mm -hmm. And so when we started um, looking at this industry and and looking at where we could apply this technology, um, you know, we were talking to customers and, and we were trying to understand their, their business pain points. And we hear the same things over and over again, and we hear the word interoperability a lot. And I, I personally think that it's a word that means a lot of things. It doesn't necessarily just mean 
you know, a lack of interoperable standards or non-standardization. It doesn't just mean that, that you know, the technology is not easy to use. It's not, it doesn't have good user experience for the physicians that have to use it. So what we have found ourselves in, I think, in this industry, in healthcare, is that interoperability is a word that describes our inability to exchange information without friction. It is a word that describes a friction in the system, whether it's a matter of accessing records or reading them or sharing them or creating them, it's a very friction-filled system. A friction-filled system, man. So you have some key points of friction, obviously. Um, corporate greed, you know, if I can go in that direction, you have regulation, you have people lobbying for, mm -hmm. you know, regulators to do this, that, and the other thing. What are some of the major barriers you see to implementing blockchain technology in healthcare? I think that we have the same challenges implementing blockchain in healthcare that we do implementing blockchain in any industry. This is a technology that is very nascent, it's new, it's relatively untested at the production level, the way people want to use it, um, beyond Bitcoin, which is obviously, you know, doing its thing. But So I think that that's one thing, is that it's new and people don't understand it. And in this industry specifically, you know, every year there's some new hype trend that's being sold to healthcare organizations as the cure to all of their issues when it comes to, you know, data management or, uh, you know, coordination of care. And I think that everyone is tired of hearing that. I, I get a lot of jaded responses when I'm talking to uh, providers, for example. And I think that comes from a place that the people who go to work every day and do their jobs, like they're not technicians, they're not, you know, technologists, they're not um, writing code. So it doesn't quite makes sense that you would expect these super robust technical systems to add up with the doctor. So you have the user experience, which I think is something that you still have to overcome. I mean, I came from a background in Bitcoin. I used to work for BitPay before I worked for Gem. And so this is a Bitcoin payment processor. And the concept, of course, of BitPay is if you accept Bitcoin at your place of business, you don't have to pay transaction fees and, you know, numerous other benefits. But the problem is not that at the B2B level, does Bitcoin accepting Bitcoin make sense? It's who's using it to buy things. Not very many people. Well, you know, increasingly more so than five years ago, yeah, yeah. But, but generally speaking, the user experience hasn't really caught up with the, the people that, you know, could benefit the most from this technology. And I think the same could be true for healthcare. I just mean everyone who is just a normal person who has to go about their business and they use technology in some way, shape, or form to perform their job. And so when the technology required for you to do your job securely and according to, you know, compliance standards is very difficult to use and it changes all the time and you're having to change your methods right and left, I think that that not only creates a very big conversion problem for adoption and how this technology is going to get used across the board, but I think it also kind of disenfranchises the users from the developers and the software. Uh, software providers out there. Our approach is that, you know, blockchains are a very low-level protocol. They're a very basic instrument that when you plug into other types of applications and architecture, it becomes this incredible machine. But by themselves, they don't do very much. And, you know, our platform is really designed to connect existing technology to a blockchain network so that you can leverage your proprietary private data interactions and you can secure them against maybe a shared infrastructure environment. So our approach is not to go and replace all of the technology that everybody has been getting used to in the past few years, especially in healthcare where, you know, mobile applications for, you know, patient record management and stuff like that is only becoming really new now and there's still, you know, it's not very homogenized. 
So, you know, we're not saying like, okay, you just got comfortable with this technology and we're going to come here and replace it. It's really more about how do we take the technology that you need and that you enjoy using and that you want more out of, and how do we connect that to shared infrastructure so that you can leverage other systems and other technologies in a seamless fashion and without necessarily having to go through all of the gateways and payment structures and trust networks that add friction to those transactions. Well stated. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it, Emily. Thank you. Oh, bye. Bye. That was great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I hope I'm not too long-winded. No, you're good. And um, do you have a card by any chance? So I'm outside now on a beautiful sunny day. A little bit of clouds up there, but beautiful day in Nashville. Feels like about 78 degrees out here. I'm standing by a beautiful fountain at the Skirmerhorn Symphony Center, and I am speaking with Melinda Bunton, who is here for the conference. Melinda, how are you? I'm great. It feels about 80 to me here, but it's still in lovely Nashville, Tennessee. More like 80 than 78. Okay. Still in beautiful Nashville. What are you doing here? So I'm here because I work at Vanderbilt School of Medicine. I'm the chair of the Department of Health Policy, uh, but I'm sort of a transplant because I came here from D.C. after working for a couple of years at the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT and also at the Congressional Budget Office. What have you learned so far since you've been here, or what do you hope to learn? Well, I'm actually looking forward to learning some more. When I was at ONC, we talked a lot about issues related to privacy, trust, and interoperability, um, and there were so many barriers to getting there. In fact, one of the lectures that I just recorded for a, a class we're doing was about challenges to interoperability. And so I'm excited because I've got friends in the financial sector and obviously a lot of friends in the health sector to think about how we could bring this technology together and maybe take a leap forward in interoperability. Because these governance and trust issues, I think, of course they're deep in the financial industry, but in healthcare, they really strike at the core of who we are. And so I think they're even more profound than questions about privacy, trust, and security related to our finances. Okay, how so, and how could things change in the perfect world? Well, so what's been happening is that, well, let me step back a few years, if okay. you'll let me. Okay. Sure. So back in 2009, we were experiencing financial crisis. And as part of the stimulus bill that passed in that year, there was money set aside to make rapid advances in the adoption and what was called meaningful use of electronic health records. And so shortly after that passed was when I joined the team. Uh, and we were a group of people who had an absolute passion to sort of drive healthcare into the 20th century. But healthcare is still a hyper-local thing. You have basically lots of small business owners in the form of solo practitioners and things like this, people who didn't have a lot of access to capital, people who are running their own sort of proprietary networks, and you didn't have players with a lot of incentive to share data, even though the entire reason that the government was investing in this area was to reap all the benefits of interoperability, avoiding duplication, better coordinating care, better able to measure quality um, and reward quality ultimately um, with value-based payment systems. So we were promoting the adoption and use of these records and I think they are better than paper in a lot of ways even if you only use them within your own practice but we were just coming up against these barriers and a lot of these barriers had to do with proprietary interests but also governance and trust and I think that's where 
where the hope of this conference is, is can we make it easier to get over that hurdle of governance and trust in contracting and transactions? Right, because you know when it comes to finance, when you know when it comes to Bitcoin that it's not about trust, right? It's not about who you trust. It's about looking at that public ledger, whether that information is a hash or it's actual information, and saying that is what is on the ledger. It's indelible. It's not going to change. It's immutable, right? That's right. And yet, you know, in healthcare, we literally have discussions. Um, it took a while to work out exchange of data between the VA and the DOD. And part of that was around governance, to be honest. Yeah. Part of it was technological, but more of it was around we are each entrusted to safeguard our data and to ensure it's reliable and it's useful for the purposes of treatment. How can we do that? Nice. You know, I was reading an article last night that referenced redactive blockchains. And it scared me, they referred to the Bitcoin blockchain as something that's been sullied by the bad actors, pornography and the Silk Road and the drugs and all of that, so that we wouldn't want to use that because it already has a bad name. What's your take on that? Well, you just taught me something. I hadn't heard about that, so I'll just add that to one of the things I want to learn more about at this conference. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, redactive, the idea that a blockchain would be mutable mm -hmm. is something that we really don't want. We want a public ledger where when your medical records go there, however they're stored there, that can't be changed by a third party. Because if it could be changed by a third party, you know, what's going to happen is we're going to see bad actors entering in regulators entering in, which I think we're going to see anyway. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I like the idea of an indelible, immutable blockchain that we can rely on, again, going back to the idea of trust, where we don't have to trust a third party. You know, there's a story that my father told me shortly after I joined uh, the Austin National Coordinator there, and it related to the permanence of health records um, and their fallibility. And it was that apparently when I was three years old, someone made some kind of transcription error, and there was a bill that was submitted for me um, that said I had syphilis. Um, as you can imagine, my, my parents were beside themselves that this could be part of my medical record. And this was a paper record that was at a single pediatrician's office and maybe a copy went to the insurance company. They moved heaven and earth to make sure that this was erased from all possible systems. Wow. Um, and uh, as far as I know, no one at Vanderbilt thinks that I had syphilis when I was three. <laughs> That's good. But, <laughs> but this is an example of the kind of yeah. thing where putting power into the hands of consumers, because had he been a little less observant, that could have been part of my medical record going forward, and I might never have even known. That's right. So you have to be able to pay attention, and then you have to have the ability to change it. And it, the, the amount of effort that it took him at that time to do it, such a simple, obvious error, I think is a lesson to me that I take with me yeah. in all of these, um, all of these areas. Yeah, nicely put. And uh, yeah, sorry to hear about that <laughs> weird, weird record that was there for whatever reason. We've all heard stories like yeah. that, right? It's crazy. But you know, the idea that um, your medical records could be in your hands mm -hmm. and you could choose who gets to see them, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe there would be an insurance company you'd decide, you know what, I don't want to let you see that. What do you think about that kind of freedom? Well, I think ultimately, 
we should all own our own records and we should be able to make those decisions. And right now, uh, though, we have a lot of trust in our healthcare providers that we see. You know, we're going in there, we're signing our HIPAA forms, and we're allowing them to share that information with others in ways that they see fit related to the improving our care. So I hope we can both preserve individual control and have enough trust inherent in the whole system that people won't be blocking off pieces of their information that might be very relevant for their treatment. Yeah, really good point. So someone earlier was speaking, they were talking about how they don't feel that he used the term consumers, have that much interest in holding their own records. And I said, I think that's a product of the paradigm that we're stuck in. And we need this new paradigm that can, as part of what it teaches, teach people that understanding and holding their own records is not something that they're incapable of. It's something that they are capable of doing and that we can teach people to have a renewed interest in their own records. Well, you know, we're all trying to figure out how to get people more engaged in their own health. And part of that is a realization that health care is really a small part of what determines whether people are healthy or not. So it's their own behaviors, their own practices, um, much more really than any health care they seek that is going to make you and I um, and others around us healthy. But I will say that I try to keep a good perspective on this now because the people who are using the most health care are not people that are my age or your age. They're people who are older. They're people who it may be overwhelming for them because of their sickness to even manage getting to see a healthcare provider, much less manage their information. Um, and I remember the first time I went to Health 2.0, my eyes were just blasted open. I just looking from the perspective of all the people there at an extreme consumer orientation. I mean, I didn't hear anyone talking. I almost didn't hear anyone talking about physicians, and I definitely didn't hear anyone talking about payers or insurers having any role in what they saw the future of health being. And that is a great vision, but where we are right now, a lot of people need help to navigate the system, they need health care, and they may not be technologically savvy. So if I bet if I went to Health 2.0 now, five years later, I don't know how much the conversation would have changed, but I hope if I go in another five years, we really will be getting somewhere. Well put. Hey, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. That was great. All right. I did set your sheer water. That's okay. You're shockingly articulate. <laughs> I need to be doing that. That's my email, howdy okay. at bitcoinsandgravy.com. Right. Phone number. Okay. And the last thing is my website right there, bitcoinsandgravy.com. All right, so I am here at the Distributed Health Conference in Nashville, Tennessee, and I am speaking with John Shana and DJ. These guys are from Shanghai. Welcome to Nashville. Thank you. Yes, sir. So what do you guys do? We're from BNSE. It's a blockchain technology company, and we are developing some blockchain application. We have a product called VChain. VeChain, okay. It's a special designed product based on the blockchain technology. And we help the healthcare industry to track and trace all of the medicines and the medical care devices, uh, including the reagents, uh, help them to track and trace all of that in the whole supply chain. Okay. Wow. So how does this work? So we have an app, and for the consumer and different parties in the supply chain, they can manage their portion of the data and it'll all be connected so that the next person in the supply chain can see what data was uploaded to the blockchain. Okay. That's pretty important, right? Yeah. So this product, it has an NFC chip inside, and we can open the app and just tap it, and 
all the product information comes up. Oh wow! So you yeah. just held he just held his phone up next to it, and that has an NFC, which listeners that stands for near field communication. It's where you can put a phone up next to a phone and transfer photos, or as he did right there by just putting it next to the box. The NFC chip inside brought up this product, and there's all this information. This V chain is what you guys are called, right? Mm -hmm. And you could view it in the blockchain. So each NFC chip is attached with a private key. Wow. Yeah. So that way it's secure, and the chips are self-signing, so it's unable to be hacked. Wow. So we were actually looking at something on the blockchain right there? So, yeah, this information is on a private blockchain at the moment. And, yeah, you could see when this product was uploaded to the blockchain and where it was at. And see, okay. And all the hash data. Okay, so this is your own private blockchain that's owned by your company. Do you guys have plans to have some information on the Bitcoin blockchain or on a public blockchain? Yeah, so we could also put all this information on a, a public blockchain, and it will be on another blockchain called Quantum in the future. So that'll be more focused towards industries. Okay, Quantum. I have not heard of that. Yes, Quantum, actually, it's a newly designed public blockchain. It is industry custom oriented because in current public blockchain including bitcoin and ethereum they don't have uh, very much industry client features embedded in the blockchain so we made some our own design and uh, we built from scratch um, that's a newly designed public blockchain but with VeChain, so far, it is a private chain. But with more and more brands, they put their product on the VeChain. That will be alliance chain in the future. And uh, all of the parties involved in the whole supply chain, including the manufacturer and the distributor, for example, some pharmacists in the healthcare, the hospital, the doctor, patients, FDA, all of those parties involved in the healthcare will be interact on the blockchain with the product-centric, medicine-centric feature in it. Okay, so right now your app for that product you just pulled up that is from where? Walmart. How are you going to get all of these companies, CVS and Walmart and Walgreens and all of those guys, Rite Aid, how are you going to get those guys to put those NFC chips in their products? So we'll focus on maybe the higher-end brands, the, the cancer drugs, where these drugs need to be maintained throughout the supply chain a lot stricter than such like a commodity product that Walgreens would make. Mm -hmm. So those drugs that cost like $1,000, you want to make sure they're authentic. You want to make sure they were transported through the supply chain at the correct temperature and all that. And you want to know where it was manufactured in case there's a recall. So that reduces the liability for the company, and it gives the consumer the peace of mind that they want. I see. So we just have to get the feds on board, right, and get those guys to put the NFC chips in the important ones to start with, and then eventually in everything. Why not, right? Yeah. So the FDA, their goal is to protect patients. So they would like to see something like this, I believe. Okay. Sounds good. Any parting words, gentlemen? I think the V-Ching uh, will work very well in the healthcare industry and we hope more and more players in the healthcare industry will be focused on how to track and trace all of the medicines and the medical care devices that would be better for the current healthcare industry. Sounds good gentlemen, thank you very much. Have a great afternoon. All right, you too. Thanks. Thanks. Great time. Thank you. This episode of Bitcoins and Gravy is brought to you by our good friends at moonshineboutwax.com. 
Made by hand in small batches right here in East Nashville, Tennessee, Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax is the original, all-natural, non-toxic boot wax with a scent of orange. Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax is a proprietary blend of American beeswax and other fine, all-natural ingredients. It's specially formulated to feed and protect your leather while also offering an excellent, long-lasting shine. Whether it's your cowboy boots, your expensive wing tips, or your wife's favorite pumps, Moonshine Boot Wax is a must-have for gentlemen who care about their appearance. Moonshine Boot Wax is proud to partner with Community Food Advocates, a nonprofit organization working to end hunger by creating a healthy, just, and sustainable food system. Together with Community Food Advocates, Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax is making a positive difference in the Nashville community, one shine at a time. You can buy your very own four ounce tin today by going to moonshinebootwax.com. And best of all, you can pay using Bitcoin. All right, I'm here at the Distributed Health Conference in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm talking with Alex Zbarcha. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Oh, good, good. Now, tell me, first of all, where are you from? I'm from Washington, D.C. area. Okay, and is that a Washington, D.C. Uh, accent you have? <laughs> no. Uh, originally, I'm from Transylvania. That's a region in Romania, Europe. Transylvania in Romania, and most Americans know that is where Dracula comes from, right? Correct. Did you know Dracula? Um, I kind of missed him with a few hundred years. You missed him by a few hundred years? Okay. Okay, so Alex, tell us what you are doing here. Um, I was at the hackathon two days ago. It was a um, hackathon that lasted for 24 hours non-stop. We were a team of two. Uh, it was myself and um, the city of Health Alex. And we kind of meet at the hackathon and he got an idea and I helped him trying to achieve. Okay, you write code for a living? Yeah, I'm a developer. I'm a DevOps engineer. Okay. I'm an engineer, basically. Okay, and what were you working on? What was your hack that you were working on? The company has a CCD viewer for the healthcare, and what we tried to achieve was to put all the interaction between uh, patient and any healthcare uh, institution in the blockchain, and the data to put it, we knew that there is a big confusion in the blockchain industry. People don't know that in blockchain you don't put data. Actually, you put hashes of the data, proofs of the data, and data usually you put it in a separate storage. So we were playing with uh, IPFS, which is an interplanetary file system. It's very similar like BitTorrent. Mm -hmm. But think about having the BitTorrent database public mm -hmm. uh, and distributed across everybody so they cannot take down BitTorrent basically right. that, that's what IPFS is nice. and, and we were thinking of putting all the CCDs there encrypted mm -hmm. and um, then all the stakeholders related to those data can get the data if they have access to it okay. and um, for a non-repudiation system we used uh, Tyrion which he was one of the sponsors there and was good to find out there is a solution like that what is Tyrion? Um, is a non-repudiation system backed by a blockchain technology. They put in the blockchain, the public blockchain, not the private one. Mm -hmm. uh, they put uh, the proof 
of uh, your uh, document by sh having the SHA of that document and okay. it provides a receipt for you. So, for example, if we communicate but we do not trust each other, we have to trust a third party. And the third party is actually the blockchain. They're only a framer to build that proof. And they use the standard that is in W3C relating to that uh, proof and also technology called uh, JSON-LD, which is a way to serialize um, in a JSON format but also have that XML namespace sync um, feature. Okay. And um, the Tyrion guy liked what I did and he gave me this uh, invitation to come to this conference and that's why I'm here. Nice. Now, did you win the hackathon? No, I did not. Gosh darn it, I feel like you should have. Do you feel like you should have? Yes. <laughs> so what did you come away with from the hackathon? What was your general feeling about the hackathon? Um, most of the people there didn't know anything about blockchain. They came to learn as I did as well. I, I came to learn. But most of them didn't have the engineering background. They had more like the UI and also business experience. And they try to come up with their own ideas to make a business out of it, which usually happens to all the hackathons. Entrepreneurs trying to find a way to start a business. Okay. But you felt like most of the people there that were participating in the hackathon did not know that much about blockchain tech? Um, there were too many people with idea and less, less uh, developers. I see. So that was a little bit of a problem. Yeah. But overall, did you enjoy it? Yes, yes. Actually, I stayed there all night. Oh, wow. Did yeah. you get any sleep last night or was it the night before? Uh, no, not the night before. Last night. Last, no, last night. night. So you didn't get much sleep? Um, about uh, six hours in the last uh, 40, 50 hours. That's not too bad. Yeah, that's not too bad. Exactly. Well, thank you very much, Alex. I really appreciate you taking time to talk. No problem. My pleasure. Hey, can I interview you guys for the show? <laughs> Don't ask me anything about Taylor. Yeah. Hello there. John. I got someone here. John. Hello. Hello. All right. I'm Lauren. Hello, Lauren. We haven't. I've just seen we your hug face. It out? Hello. <laughs> nice to meet Are you. Are you enjoying yourself? Immensely, I am. Oh, I was just going to interview all you guys, if that's possible. All I'm doing is the alphabet. Oh, really? Okay, so Jenny, you me and, Jenny. and Lauren. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here outside of the concert hall here at the Skirmerhorn for an exclusive interview with Jenny and Lauren from BTC Media. Hello, guys. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks so much. Thanks. Yes, so you guys are the ones who are making all of this happen. Can you tell me about how it's going so far? Sure. We probably have about 400, 450 bodies in the building right now. Um, just finished our CLE panel. We have a lot of things going on simultaneously right now, and I think that it's going really, really well. Nice. Have you guys met some nice people here today? Lots of nice people, yes. <laughs> and you're directing people, right? Yes, yes. You're telling them where to go. You're telling people where to go today. That we are, yes. <laughs> nice, nice. So um, does this look like the conference so far is a success? 
I would say everything we could have imagined it is. Um, Charlie Martin brought so much from Martin Ventures uh, to the panel today. I would say um, Jem has been incredible. Micah's keynote was incredible as usual. He's one of my favorite speakers ever. And everything else is looking good. I know everyone's kind of excited for 5.30 when the open bar starts. Well, that's the open bar? Wow. I'm excited for that. I didn't even know about that. Wow. Now you do. Now the secret's out. Yeah, where are they setting that up? Um, the cocktail reception is going to be um, halfway in the main lobby and the lounge at 5.30. It's a networking reception, so basically you will have some great people there drinking beer and telling you all kinds of dirty secrets. I recommend being there. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> is David Bailey here today? I haven't seen him oh, at all. I'm just he's kidding. Here. I've seen him. I promise he's here. He's, he's, here. he's <laughs> currently in a meeting right now. He's running to and fro. I've seen him. Yes, he's in a meeting right now, and he is basically doing whatever I tell him to do because that's nice. my job. Is <laughs> oh, that your job? Now, what is your position with BTC Media? I am the chief of staff and David Bailey's personal assistant. Oh, wow. Okay. And Jenny, what is yours? I'm the production manager. I work on the graphics and organization. Okay, great. I've seen a couple of other familiar faces around here today. Tyler and John. Yep. Tyler Evans. He's our newly named CTO. He's the event lead for this entire conference. He organized every single panel in every single room. He is way more than impressive when it comes to that kind of stuff. And John Riggins is here. Um, He just opened our office in Shanghai. And he flew in from Shanghai a couple days ago, and he is here just until the end of the conference. we got to send him back to China on Wednesday, but he's floating around as well. I think he said the only thing missing in China is double-stuffed Oreos. Oh, man. <laughs> That's John. We'll send him back. So I'm going to send him a huge yeah. shipment of Oreos. To good thinking, good thinking. Well, hey, thank you so much for taking time to interview. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Bye. All right, I'm still here at the Skirmerhorn, and I am speaking with Dawn Jutlup. Dawn, how are you? Very fine, thank you, and a pleasure to be here, too, in Nashville today. Oh, good. Where are you from? I am from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay, great. And you are here in Nashville just for the conference? Yes, okay. absolutely. I have a big interest in uh, blockchain technologies. Okay. I am actually a professor in Sobe School of Business in Halifax and we have a program around technology entrepreneurship and innovation and so it's important for us to stay on the cutting edge Mm -hmm. and um, we've been doing proof of concepts in the area and so to us the opportunity to bring it across different industries and to be able to understand exactly how it can disrupt different industries or even if it is you know a cautious industry where blockchain technologies can be bolted on we're also interested in having a look at that and so we can basically help innovate with industries but also plug in our students to these industries as well and to help them see a a path forward for innovation. Nice. So I think your students are going to be ahead of a lot of other students in Canada and also around the world, right? Putting them ahead of the curve. Um, Possibly. I am going to be in Tennessee later this year. In a month's time, I'm at the University of Memphis. Uh, We'll be giving a workshop on blockchain technologies to the fine folks at the FedEx uh, Institute of Technology. And so they're hosting that particular event. Okay, and uh, when I first approached you to ask to interview, you mentioned Ethereum, that you're not really 
a Bitcoin as much as you are an Ethereum right. blockchain aficionado. That's, that's your right. interest you anyway. We have the experience on the Ethereum platform versus the Bitcoin fabric. And okay. that's just because we were very interested in the usage of smart contracts. And Ethereum very elegantly um, you know, supports it for that particular fabric. I agree. So we've been able to uh, leverage those in proof of concept, some very sophisticated proof of concepts as well. So you're having real world success with it. Absolutely. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, I'm definitely an Ethereum guy and a Bitcoin guy. I was a little bit disturbed by what happened in Ethereum with the hard fork the and all of that in the DAO. Did that affect your thinking in any way about the fact that now there are two Ethereums? Does that change any of your thinking at all? No, I don't think so. You know, we always knew that there would be security issues that would come up and that would need to be closed. And um, I think that the leadership in Ethereum is pretty good. And so I was not disturbed by it. I think they, um, they came together and they you know, as a, as a community and got consensus. And I, and I actually think they did the right thing. Um, you can see how the market has responded to it as well. And so I believe that um, there will still be a bunch of security uh, holes in all of the fabrics and that uh, eventually they will be closed one by one. Nice. Well, thank you very much for taking time to interview. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's very nice to meet you. I am still here at the Distributed Health Conference in Nashville. And right now I am speaking with James Lorenzano and his nephew, Matthew. Hello, guys. Welcome to the show. Good to be here, John. I'm very excited to be on your show. Nice, nice. Well, Jim, you were in town months back, and we had lunch at 1016 down there in the Five Points area in East Nashville, and that was a blast. And I'll be honest with you, my memory is so bad, I don't even remember how we first made contact. Do you remember? Yes, John. Um, I'm a big fan of Bitcoins and Gravy, and my nephew lives in the Nashville area. So I said, i got to make contact with John, so I wrote you an email. You were kind enough to write me back, and I said, i got to get together, because you mentioned you have meetups and I just wanted to meet a human being that actually used Bitcoin besides my nephew, Matthew. Nice. And what is your background now? You're a physician, is that right? Correct. I'm a physician. My background's emergency medicine. I do more primary care now. Okay. And uh, Matthew, what do you do? I work for a healthcare company here in town. I work in the uh, corporate office here of a hospital company, and I work in the revenue management department and make sure we charge our patients appropriately and also collect money. Oh, sounds good. Sounds good. So what do you guys think overall about this conference and about the potential for blockchain to help out in the healthcare industry? On the medical side of things, I think the blockchain technology can be incredibly useful for patients controlling their information, securing it, and distributing it to only those who want it in a decentralized manner. Yeah, I agree. I like the idea that a patient could have control over their own medical information and they could decide, you know what? That insurance company, I don't want you to have that information, just as an example. Matthew, what's your take on the whole thing? I'm a little skeptical at this point. I see a lot of ideas and stuff. I don't see a lot of actual useful products at this point, but um, maybe in a year or two we'll, we'll see some. But I'm excited to see what's coming next. Yeah, I do think a lot of what we're seeing is theoretical still, but I do also know that it is going to be put into place and that it is going to hopefully allow patients to have some control that they didn't have before over their Correct. own now records. They have, they have no control over their records, but I did see one application that's already being 
useful for the use of pharmaceutical research. You can encrypt your information, put identifiers that you choose to have out there. They can send out requests, and if you want to respond, you can, and you can transmit the information you want, and you can decide how you the patient is going to be paid for that information. Mm. So that is a very useful use, which will make medical research astoundingly easier. However, a lot of the uses for electronic health records are building on systems that are centralized and controlled with high points of failure, and therefore it defeats the idea of the blockchain. Yeah, so we have many mountains to climb, right, when it comes to the pre-existing infrastructure and the paradigms, right? Matthew, that's some of your hesitancy in just saying this is all going to magically change things overnight, right? Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of these companies seem to be just slapping the word blockchain on something and trying to be different, um, and I don't see much difference. Yeah, it could be proven wrong. Yeah, well, hopefully you'll be proven wrong. We'll see, though. I mean, I tend to think the same way that it's going to be a little while before we really see a lot of this put into practice. I mean, you do have immense power from the pharmaceutical companies and the insurance companies, and they lobby strong in Washington, and oftentimes they get their way, you know, whether it's with the FDA or whoever. Any thoughts on that, James? Yeah, what I see happening is that I see patients, there'll be some homegrown Bitcoin applications, and then patients will demand it. They'll control their information, and they'll give it to the doctor. If the doctor doesn't want to participate, the doctor won't gather the business. So I see it coming from the ground up, not from the insurance companies. I see it coming from the ground up where I control my own information. And I think patients, once they realize they can do that, will take the bull by the horn. So I think it's going to be a much more ground-up effort by somebody hacking, building one up, not from one of the insurance companies managing thoughts. That's what the big thing was here today. Yeah, I like that. So, yeah, we can anticipate that coming along, a grassroots sort of, hey, look, what you can have. You can have control of your own medical information, and who's going to say no to that, right? I agree 100%, John. I think we're going to see it. This is the early pinging. Some people were disappointed in the conference, but I saw some good thoughts, and one of the gentlemen who gave a fireside chat said, none of the revolutions come from the royalty. It comes from people outside. So these companies are trying to manage thoughts and their thought leaders, in my experience, universally fail. Yeah, I like to think that uh, the thought leaders who are not leading thought in the right way, they deserve to fail, <laughs> and they will fail, right? We hope. Well, power to the people. What else? Closing words, gentlemen? We want more episodes of Bitcoins and Gravy, and I still have on my computer John's sticker, and I want to meet the elusive dog, Max. And otherwise, I look forward to seeing John again the next time in town. And if you're in town, try to contact John. It's worth the effort. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it. Matthew, closing thoughts? I'll say thank you for having us on your show. It was a pleasure to meet you, and um, I'm excited to see what's next in the blockchain world. Cool. Me too. Thanks, guys. Thank you much. Yep. I appreciate it. Good job, guys. You better get an F out of him. I'll charge you beer, okay? All right, we are in the main hall here at the Skirmer Horn. It's at the very end of the day here of the distributed healthcare conference in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm speaking with Michael Tidwell, who is one of four people who won the hackathon yesterday. Is that right? Uh, yeah, there's a, it was a five-person team. We won the grand prize, and then we won best use of the Tyrion uh, API. So we won two prizes. Nice, man. That's pretty sweet. So what were the prizes before we get into what you actually did? Uh, grand prize was uh, from Jim. They sponsored a $10,000 grand prize, and then the Tyrion was best use of the API, which uh, was a $2,000 prize. 
Okay, pretty sweet, man. Now, how did you put this group together, and what did you guys present that won? So I run a meetup group in Atlanta, and there's interest in the hackathon from my group, and there's three of us that came up from Atlanta. Uh, when we got here, we needed a UI developer and uh, maybe someone who had some domain knowledge, and we actually found both of those people, luckily enough. Nice. So we uh, made our group of five. We had two software developers, you know, more like back-end, and then we had a UI developer, a business kind of analyst project leader, and then a, a domain expert to help us really bring in the use cases and problems in the domain. Okay, so you guys, I assume, stayed up all night hacking most of the night? We actually, I think we all actually went to bed because we were so focused. Uh, we all got about two hours of sleep actually. Um, okay. So we didn't, we, we didn't do a straight 24 hour stay up. I think we all actually ended up going to bed. Uh, I slept in my car for okay. two hours, but, um, uh, yeah. And then, uh, yes, about the, the product, we, we made a supply chain management with pharmaceuticals. So, uh, ensuring that, so the problems that we were, that we tackled were, uh, counterfeit materials being added into the supply chain the difficulties of doing recalls on bad product and knowing who has those tainted material or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then a divergence outside of that supply chain, you know, to other groups where you can easily track, you know, stuff that comes up missing. So, okay. Now what's your background or what inspired you guys to come up with this? How'd you come up with this idea? Obviously there's a pressing need for it. Well, we already kind of had the idea of doing this before we came up here. But when we met the domain expert, we really focused in on pharmaceuticals. So you guys were basically thinking about supply chains. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I think more generally just healthcare supply chain. But we focused in on pharmaceuticals, which is good because I think staying so focused uh, really helped the judges identify the problem that we're solving. And it, you know, we actually got done with our you know, demo, and we're able to actually make a prototype of what we're supposed to be doing, you know. Nice. So you came up here and you improvised. You found two people to join your group, and you won. Congratulations, man. Hey, thank you, John. Yeah, that's great. Uh, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Congrats again. Yeah, it's my pleasure. You know, friends, the healthcare industry simply must rely on new technologies to achieve interoperability and, in my opinion, should follow in the footsteps of financial services in looking at blockchain technology. Why not, right? And while the technology is immature, it's a new technology, it could fundamentally change how data is secured and accessed across the healthcare continuum. I imagine blockchain technologies having a meaningful impact on processes such as patient consent, claims, sharing of electronic medical records, and recording clinical trial and genomic data. Kevin McKernan, if you're listening, howdy friend, I hope you are well. My hope is that blockchains might also address challenges in the area of provider data management to support a new level of interoperability between payers and to ensure that updates to provider information are widely distributed in real time. That's what we need, folks. These are indeed exciting times as well as difficult times as we struggle and work together to drag healthcare out of the current profit-motivated paradigm and into a new 21st century paradigm that puts the emphasis on human health and potential by putting power back into the hands of the people. 
This is disruptive, folks, and that's what we need to concentrate on. And while this may not seem very disruptive at this present moment in time, right here near the end of 2016, Give it a little time, I say, and I have every confidence that blockchain tech is going to disrupt more of these outdated systems than any of us can imagine. I'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsor, Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax, the all-natural boot wax and polish to keep your shoes, boots, pumps, and stilettos protected and looking great. The Nashville Wax Company also now offers the world's first 100% natural residue remover. That's right, Moonshine Miracle Residue Remover for removing stubborn, sticky stuff. Yes, it's like goo gone, but without the petroleum chemicals. Planet Earth will thank you for caring. For more information and to order a Moonshine product of your very own without even getting up out of your chair, head on over to MoonshineBootWax.com. MoonshineBootWax.com does in fact accept debit and credit cards and even better, they accept Bitcoin. That's right, pay the modern way with Bitcoin. If you've never ordered online using Bitcoin, it's a great experience. And MoonshineBootWax.com makes the experience super easy. That's right, MoonshineBootWax.com. I'd also like to thank the good folks over at BTC Media here in Nashville, Tennessee for a great distributed health blockchain conference. Keep up the good work, guys, and know that you are highly valued in the Bitcoin world. And of course, I would like to thank my listeners, that's you, for following me and for tuning in each week. And thank you also, friends, for your small, medium, and sometimes decently sized tips. I'm still a volunteer here doing what I love, and what sweetens the deal for me each week is when I look in my Bitcoin wallet to see that someone has tipped me. Oh, joy is what I feel. <laughs> Tomorrow morning when I go out to get my coffee, I will imagine that one of my listeners bought it for me, and that will put a smile on my face for sure. Signing off now from Nashville, Tennessee, I'm your host, John Barrett, here each week with my trusty dog, Maxwell, by my side. Say goodbye, Maxwell. <laughs> Until next week, friends, remember that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. So do something, y'all. Make a difference and be brave in letting your voice and your opinions be heard. This is not a rehearsal, folks. This is the real thing. Peace, y'all. Now climb aboard, y'all. This train is bound for glory. And there's plenty of room for all. Well, Satoshi Nakamoto, that's a name I love to say And we don't know much about him, but he came to save the day When he wrote about the way things are and the way things are to be He gave us all a protocol this world had never seen Oh, Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain Oh, Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, gonna rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name told about the death of old Mount Gox, about traders trading altar coins and miners mining blocks. But them good old boys back in Illinois and on down through Tennessee, see they don't care to be a millionaire, they're just wanting to be free. Our Bitcoin as you're going
According to the old blockchain of Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name. A promise to deliver us from age-old tyranny A Bitcoin as you're going into the old blockchain A Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, gonna rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your Give me some exposure Everybody knows your name, sing it Oh Lord, pass me some more Oh Lord, before I have to go. And I know that it may sound absurd, but I have for you a magic word. And today the magic word is health. H-E-A-L-T-H. Health, as in the sentence, it sure would be nice if we had somebody who would come on the television once a week or once a month. Like in the good old days when I was growing up, we used to have C. Everett Koop, who was the Surgeon General. He would come on television and he would give people advice about health. So, for instance, if I was the Surgeon General, I would come on television once a week and I would tell people, Hey folks, remember the most important thing about your health is to prevent disease. The way you can prevent disease is by eating lots of fresh fruits and vegetables. Make sure they're not genetically modified. Make sure to reduce your intake of meat. Eat lots of good healthy grains. Make sure they're not genetically modified organisms. Drink lots of fresh juice. Drink lots of fresh filtered water and avoid at all costs any kind of fast food, any kind of sodas, any kind of energy drinks, any kind of processed crap that is killing this country and that is feeding people into the healthcare system like hogs on a conveyor belt going into slaughter. Now, wait a minute. Do they put hogs on conveyor belts? I may have mixed my metaphors there. But anyway, like putting something onto a conveyor belt that goes into some place where they get slaughtered. Anyway, so the point is that if we will concentrate on preventive medicine, how to live. You know, do you meditate a little bit every day? Maybe you take yoga to get rid of your aches and pains. Maybe you take a nice long walk. Maybe you get out in nature. Maybe you make sure to get eight hours of sleep. Maybe you reduce your alcohol intake, reduce your tobacco intake, reduce your drug intake, whether it's recreational drugs or pharmaceutical drugs, which are too often pushed down people's throats by doctors who are convinced by smooth talking pharmaceutical reps 
course, that these drugs are necessary. Guys, let's really take a look at what's going on here. Try also to do everything in your power to teach your children about health and nutrition and to teach your children how to prevent illness by eating healthy foods and getting out and moving in the world. Parents, get your butts up off the couch. Turn off the television, which is rotting your brain anyway. Because we know the brain and the body are connected, if it's rotting your brain, baby, it's rotting your body. Okay, so get up off the couch, turn off the television, walk around the neighborhood, take a trip out into nature. The next time you plan a family vacation, if you have the money to do that, go camping. You know, you don't have to go to some fancy resort. You don't have to go to Disneyland or Disney World and feed into that crap. You know, go out camping someplace in nature. Take some good hikes and look at the fall foliage and enjoy the planet and try to remember how people lived for thousands and thousands of years before all of this pre-made, pre-packaged crap came along and before we were considered consumers. You know, there was a day when we were considered citizens. That's my countryman over there. That's my countrywoman. That's a citizen of the United States or of whatever country you're from instead of look at the consumer. Nine out of ten consumers say this. Nine out of ten consumers do this. It's ridiculous. Let's get back to being like human beings and let's stop putting all of our energy into illness and disease and what pills we might take to make ourselves feel better. Let's get back to thinking about health. That's right. H-E-A-L-T-H. Health. And I wish you all good health and long life. We have front row seats in the development of a historic technology that is doing things that have never been done before. And every day that goes by, I just feel amazed at at having this opportunity to be frontline observer and sometimes influencer in what is turning out to be perhaps a historic generational worldwide impactful disruptive change in technology, one that will create history. And that is an amazing feeling. Whoa, whoa, whoa.